I think you're that. totally normal, Jordan. But I except for your I'll, thing about I'll, like GIF I'll, and Jeff. No, that's a hundred. I I <laughs> the guy gets to name it whatever he wants to name it. That's all I'm saying. He gets to pronounce the he pronunciation gets, he, for it. I I I just like I I I don't know. Well, just think. Well, if if it's a soft G, is how he's saying it, then Jif would be correct because think about like giraffe, J- giraffe. It stands like, for soft, graphics. It's a, it's a soft G. It stands for graphics. It doesn't matter. He's the one who gets to say it. It yes, the word graphics is what that G represents in the acronym, right? Yeah. But the acronym. If here's the thing, you're not saying graphics interchange format, right? You're not saying that as as GIF. So if you just put G I F together, you would follow a soft G, which would then be a, more like a J sound. If you're making it one little thing, if I'll you're gonna if you're it. gonna make a pronunciation of of G I F, and that's the word, the graphics part of that doesn't make it doesn't matter anymore because you're saying this specific thing. I, I hate the we'll have to agree to disagree thing, but like hate I will like die a, you, on that hill, you, you, I, and that's I fine. know you will that's die fine. on that hill. That's fine, like. and that's, I have no problem with that. Rob will always say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I'll always say it isn't. That's just how I feel. See, I agree with Let's him, but I don't this. care enough on that one. <laughs> this one, I will, I will this fight to the very hard. end. This is my die. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Senate Society. But these are fictional characters. Fictional characters. I- am I getting rude? Ready to see a grown-ass man cry about some Star Wars and Space Wizard? You shall have my... Bombadil. Tom Bombadil walks up and he's basically like, Oi, get off him! And the tree's like, oh my bad. Let's all have a good time and have fun. And welcome back to the Centerway Society. Tonight, even though we're out of the month of October, we did want to get one more little uh, little shebang out with uh, some Halloween-oriented stuff. So Spooky episode. Spooky episode. One last finale. Yeah, one last spook. I remember Halloween. <laughs> I remember my Especially. first Halloween. Nice. Um, uh, joining me on this lovely evening that's totally not in November is uh, Mr. Robertson. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I will refrain from making too many Christmas references. Yes. So. Yes. Because he has hit Christmas mode, even though I, I was told full. I was told the background today would be Christmas. And I guess maybe he's just been a little lazy. I don't know. No, no. Uh, Caitlin and I are not doing anything on Saturday. So we've uh, decided to just take everything down on Saturday. Saturday morning, we're going to start decorating the inside of our home. Uh, to be a winter wonderland. A winter wonderland. Be, so next episode, you guys will see the majesty of Christmas. In my I thought room. you were being nice and trying not to start a fight tonight. <laughs> but now I see and... your name. Santa Claus is coming to town. And I realize <laughs> trying to start all, shit on the low. All, all bets are off. Yeah, and uh, also we have tonight with us the lonely man himself who played Final Fantasy and watched Scream for Halloween last night. We got Dustin. Which hey, Final Fantasy I did you play? Final Fantasy fourteen, my Next. very first uh, MMORPG. Really? Having a blast. Yeah. Awesome. I I joined a clan and everything. We're the Flu Fighters. Nice. 
Yeah. Do what you gotta nice. do. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm Jordan. I'm I'm kind of hosting it, but not kind of hosting it. We're just having some fun. Um, so tonight we are going to talk about it's something that we wanted to get in, but uh, unfortunately the season of fun also is the season of flu. And there's been a lot of sickness and stuff going through, so we unfortunately had to push this episode a little bit back. But the best is always saved for last. So yeah. tonight we're going to talk about some horror icons, uh, meaning director, writer, producer, whatever. Um, we ha- I-, I personally have a few guys that I want to talk about. I know, Dustin, you probably have you know a few guys. We probably talked about some of the similar ones. Rob has seen a horror movie before, so he can put input in there. One or two. He's uh, one or seen two. some empty buildings. He's seen a warehouse or one, oh, you know, once or twice. <laughs> I gotta bring it up, Rob. One last <laughs> Halloween episode, and then I can't mention it again. For next year, we're not year. doing a Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to kick into it, um, there's a, a couple guys I want to save close to the end, but there was one. So I know we spoke of a few guys. I don't want to mention them because I don't want to give it up. There's one guy that I didn't even think about that he's more of um he's kind of like a Mike Flanagan to a degree. Uh, and and I would go, we're gonna go ahead and just give an honorable mention right now. Mike Flanagan is the probably the best guy doing horror thriller type stuff modern day. Um, we did a full episode just about him. We love he's him the here. New guy. He's the yeah. he's the guy now, for me at yeah. least. But there's another guy who is a little bit less newer than Mike Flanagan, but has, but still is doing stuff. And he does an excellent job, too. Um, was just thinking about it. James Wan, man. And if you're not familiar with who that is. Yeah, fill me in. He did. He did Saul. He's done. Oh. The, he's done the Insidious. Huh. He's done the Insidious series. He's a part of the Conjuring universe. Like Ooh. he's got he's got some some quality cuts into horror. I loved Insidious, man. Yeah, it, I did not was, realize that he did uh, Saul as well. That's amazing. He he did. Um, he's been involved in some aspect of it. He so he did. He wrote the story and directed the original Saul. Um, the rest of the Saul series, he was more of like an an executive producer. I think he did some story writing there, here and there. Uh-huh. Um, Insidious, he was. I want to say on one and two. I one and two, he was the director. Um, he didn't write any of it, but he also came back and produced the third one. I don't think he had really any involvement in the last one. He might have been a producer. Um, the one that just came out this year. Uh, the Conjuring series, he was a he's been writing on it, he's been a producer on it. He directed the first Conjuring. So the man has been been there, done that. And he's more of what I would call like a a major horror director, meaning like it's a they, you know, most horror stuff doesn't get a huge budget because they usually don't get a good return. But he's one of the few people that he put twenty million dollars into the Conjuring when he started, and uh-huh. he made he made three hundred and like forty some million dollars. Um, well, see, if we look up what what the original Saw budget yeah. and box office did, probably even beat that out. So it was made for thirteen mil. Um, let's see. See if I can pull it up here. Saw franchise. So if we the whole the whole series has done like a billion. Um, but if we just did the the first saw, mm-hmm. see why I don't I don't need video games. I need the films. The world. <laughs> I don't know why I brought up the video games. Um, let's see. 
yeah, about 10 million to make. Um, had to earn at least 25 million at the box office to be a success. It did 103 mil. Or no, that's that's X. What the world, man? Why can't it, I just see what Saul made? Well, oh, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. The original home. Apologies. The original Saul was a $1.2 million budget and made $103.9 million. That's a pretty big, wow. that's a sizable return. Yeah. Uh, now, like the Conjuring, like I said, that was made for 20 mil. They made, it was something in like 380 for that. So very successful, what I would call major, like almost like a major label for a band, but like major studio horror director. And he does a good job. I mean, I, I I love those series. The Insidious series is really good. Saul, um, they may have had some really weird ones, but the earlier days of Saul was really good. You you still have everything brought up right now, right? Yes. And Insidious was Blumhouse. Am I am I correct on that? Um, I do believe Insidious is Blumhouse. I did not have that pulled up, but that's also like a big company, so that it is. A lot of but... it. Yep. So so yep. The, yes, I believe. Yes, it is Blumhouse. Okay, so that's going to be a natural trend uh, with a lot of stuff coming out today. And I, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because it's amazing for guys like this, right? Everything is comic book movies right now. And then you have a studio like Blumhouse that'll throw a meager amount of money at a project and just say, do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And that's how you get stuff like Insidious. Yeah. Just off the wall, like anything the guy wanted to do. And it's yes. it's either going to make a killing or it's going to break even because yes. it's so cheap. Here you go. I mean, it, I mean, the man is consistent. Budget first, insidious, one point five million. Box office, a hundred point one million. So like, yep, pretty much the exact same numbers as Saul. Yeah, um, the Conjuring stuff blew up a little bit, a little bit more. Like I said, if I remember correctly, when I looked it up earlier, yeah, twenty million dollar budget, three hundred nineteen million to uh, box office, which is a considerable amount. But Dude, the Conjuring could, series, the Conjuring universe yeah. is like the Conjuring. You've got the Nun. You've got even though this one was like as as a, as a Jason, it's not like it, it's it's connected, but not like to a whole degree with the plot. Um, the Curse of La La Llorona. Uh, you've got the Annabelle. Yeah, yeah. You've got the Annabelle stuff. Uh, I mean, there's a ton in that series that are involved in the Conjuring universe that all do well. Now, I will say. And he wasn't a writer or director on this one, so I'll give him a pass. But we were just trying to watch The Nun 2 the other night because it's on HBO Max now. Uh, about halfway through, we turned it off because we were bored. <laughs> See, it happens. Uh, it happens. Now, now, this might be a little weird to say. I never got into the Conjuring Universe stuff. Um, I, I respect it because, you know, it, it does well and people seem to like it. But yeah, it, it almost kind of reminds me of like... A, a horror attempt at doing like a Marvel thing where, where they have their little horror icons in their own universe and they kind of interact right. with each other. And it just, it, it feels a little shocky to me. To be fair, it there's, there is something to that, but at the same time, this is based off of real people like uh, Ed and Lorraine yeah. Warren were actual like paranormal uh, people who went and did this, whether the, the events occurred the way that they're being described on a, on a movie Probably not. You no, know, I, I doubt it went down like this. Put it that way. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a this one, I think, hits a little bit more home because it's more of a this is like a real life situation. This is something that actually happened. They at least went and did these things. And there were like uh, 
you know, priests and stuff like that coming from the Catholic church to go help them with like demonic possessions and stuff. Yeah. So it's a little bit more real, obviously made to movie and, you know, they kind of exaggerated, exaggerated, poetic license, man. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Have some fun with it. Made it made it more dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. So you you want to watch a documentary? You go watch the documentary. You want to see something more entertaining? You want to see some crazy? You want to see some crazy shit? You're gonna watch James Wan. Okay. Yeah. Um. (laughs) And and James Wan is he's done a lot of things. Not only has he done the horror side of things, but he also is like uh, I think he was a part of the the well. What am I thinking of? Aquaman. He's directed Aquaman. So he's he was a he. He was an executive producer on on the newer Mortal Kombat, so he's he's done quite a few other things too. But most of his stuff, I would say, has been more so the horror genre. So he's someone I wanted to give a nice little shout to. Um, more of a modern guy, just like Mike Flanagan, um, has his his style uh, uh-huh. and does well with it. Yeah, so. yeah, yep. Now, who is someone you wanted to get into, man? I wanted to talk. He he doesn't have a long a long list of films, at least that are well known. I've only seen a couple of them myself, but I thought it'd be worth bringing up. And I'm gonna butcher the dude's name. Uh, Ari Astir. He did did Hereditary and Midsummer. Oh, okay, Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those you, ones you don't really add a little movies. spice to it. No, I'm not. It's just Midsummer. <laughs> it's Midsummer. Uh no, yeah, he did those two. He did. He's yeah. got it. Yeah, he, if if he did both of those, uh, I mean, I I knew whoever did those two that were was the same person because the the way they are, it's a it's a very specific styling, very distinct. Um, yep. I I dig it personally on a level because it's it's very, it feels like art, man, and it's horror at the same time. Yeah, it it it's more of a and and he like at least with the midsummer one, man, it wasn't scary. Right. It's not not scary. until the end. It's just odd. It's really odd. And you're like, what in the world's going on? It's one of those like almost like a psychological scare thing to you. That's like, could this happen? Does this happen? And yeah. you're not really scared by it until you get to that point where like all hell breaks loose at the end. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, that's and a you're, good... just, you're left. You're left in this place yeah. of like. Do I need to watch a comedy to go to bed or do I just like, <laughs> I don't understand. I, yeah, I need, I need some, I need to drink some water real quick and calm myself down. I don't know. You know, it's just such, such a weird, you know, ending to his, his films. Yeah. But you brought up a fantastic point. Um, kind of like uh, when we were talking about Mike Flanagan, right? He, right. he does a lot of stuff in the background, stuff you wouldn't even notice until you watch the second, third time. Right. This right. guy has his own distinct style of just, building tension and it's the same reason i love the thing it's the same reason like the shining was so fantastic it's it's not jump scares it's not uh jason a slasher flick right there for you it it builds it's it's the the uneasiness of stepping into somebody else's culture like in midsummer if you want to put it that way right um and things being slightly different and is this culture shock am i supposed to be okay with this it, like people are jumping off of cliffs and killing themselves because they reached the the ripe age of 65 if i remember right, right. yeah you right know? yeah exactly absolutely yeah i mean it's 
man, it's just it's it's such a different way to do horror, which is insane to think about because horror has for many years been a slasher, you know, killer type of thing, and it doesn't really have to be. No, right? Like you don't need the the Jason or the Freddy, although those are you know very classic, you know, killers. Fun. Yeah, and yeah. and there's they, people love them. At this yeah. point, like I don't think anybody fears them anymore. They're just more like, oh man, love, love to see me some Jason, you know. Yeah. No one fears that because it's not something that's happening. Um, but I think we're we're shifting more into something that's like a. A lot of people are using realism with horror now, and I think that's why like a lot of the people that watch stuff now are more like freaked out by things because it's like some of this shit could really happen, like. And we just never yeah. know about like midsummer could legitimately be happening, and we never know because, dude, I'm in the U. We're in the U.S. We don't know what happens in some place that we're not familiar with that they have their own traditions and things going on. There could be stuff like that happening somewhere else in the world. Yeah, and they're yeah. they're uh, uh, you know, just killing people for shits and giggles, you know, because that's that's what their religious belief, you know, right tells them to yeah. do and Absolutely. you know just some poor fucking dude on a you know on a trip fucked around and found out right absolutely um Robbie, you know, i actually have two that i would you like have, to bring, you up. bring them up man i'm excited they're, they're, you they're relatively new uh, these are movies i have seen or at least seen parts of uh the he, first he, one he paused, I, he paused them when they got scary Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I guess they're more suspenseful than actual horror. That's suspensefulness is a horror genre. Man. Which the first one I would like to bring up is John Krasinski, A Quiet Place, mm. because that was the what caused my anxiety levels to spike through that. And shout out to my buddy Daniel Walker, who let me borrow these like a year ago, and I just watched them recently. Um, it's the actual silence. The fact that really no words are spoken throughout, yeah, like that's ninety nine percent of this movie, dude. it's it's the actual quiet that's just like you're waiting for that moment, yeah, like the entire time, and it's causing you like to sit on the like it's it's like when you see somebody drowning in a movie, and you're like you can't catch your breath because you're like yeah, and it's exactly. like especially with somebody like you're really like like you started to really like that character and stuff, and you're like oh my god, they're not going to make out the war in time, and you're like, you feel like you were choking up on water yourself, and you're like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Yes, though that styling is very hard to do, but if it's done well and executed, you can make something really good out of it. And I thought like A Quiet Place was very, very well done. Didn't see the second one, but my the first one was, opinion. dude, didn't second see the second one. Was good. I, yeah. I still have yet to see it, but that first one, man, the scene, and, and spoilies, uh, I mean, you've had time to watch it, but this is a spoiler alert. The fucking scene where he's like, I love you. I've always loved you. Signing to his daughter to save her and screams and then gets just slaughtered. Mm. Jesus Christ, man. You know, dude. Yep. But it, he, it, he, I, he I love John job. Krasinski. I think he's a, a phenomenal job. actor. Uh, obviously, The Office, uh, Jack Ryan, Reed like Richards, Reed, <laughs> Spaghetti Richards. Oh, that was a terrible <laughs> scene, <laughs> but but this is directorial debut. Yep, him and his fantastic wife, him, Emily Blunt. Oh my god! Yeah. See, they should be Reed Richards, Sue Storm. They I'm sorry, should. that would be so good. It, it don't would. be sorry, Rob. Don't Speaking sorry. truth. Speaking truth. Truth. Well, I do. I I have a fun story about that. I had such a fun experience going to see a quiet, quiet place, man. 
I went with Jamie's brother, uh, my last podcast, uh, his, you know, co-host is probably, yeah. Um, and and he's, he's very much like he needs excitement. He's he's not going to like watch a film for like the art or something, but he loves horror movies. So I could this one go with me and we're sitting in that theater, dude, and we're watching. And there's like no sound for the first, like what? 30 minutes of the film. Something like that. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just sitting there and he keeps on like looking around. Everybody's like trying to be quiet, like won't eat their popcorn and stuff. And he's just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like 10 minutes into it. Just like looking at me. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Right. I guess it just got to be quiet. So another one I want to bring up real quick, and this can be a short one. He's more recent still trying to get kind of the newer guys out of the way so we can get to some of the legends of horror. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can do anything with horror or suspense or thriller and not bring up Jordan Poole. Or Pete, that sorry. was the other one I had. Jordan yeah. Peele. Sorry. Jordan Peele. I was thinking. I was thinking about I, the, the point guard. Get out. Jordan Peele. I, yeah. I was going to bring him up as well. Yeah. Okay. Look. So we all three had him on our list. Yep. Yeah. Jordan Peele. Uh, get out. Get get out. Being his like first big thing, right? Like yeah. that was his first his first take. Believe it or not, I have not seen that movie. Fantastic movie. You probably should go see it. Just being realistic. Um, He redid Candyman, which is an Mm -hmm. interesting one to try and go for. Um, I mean, he did uh, what's he's done a few that are very similar to each other. I really enjoyed Nope. Nope was one. Yep. Uh, I think he also did Us as well. He did. I did not enjoy that one personally. (laughs) Hands Everybody... across America at the end of it was just so weird. Yeah, it was. Spoilies. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's you know, he kind of he made his career initially as a comedy guy. Right. He also had a part in uh Love Lovecraft Country. That was fantastic. He did, he did. But yeah. he, he this is a man who made his 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 he did all this stuff from obviously comedy and then he got to a point where he was able to kind of reach to an area where he wanted to try something different and not be kind of i don't want to use the word pigeonholed because i'm sure he didn't mind the comedy aspect of doing things but he wanted to try his own thing for once he had more different yeah Yeah. he he's got range he can do what he wants some of these people in in like I don't want to say Hollywood necessarily, but some of these people that do you know directorial writing stuff, all that, dude, they can pretty much do whatever they want. It's just are they going to ever have the opportunity to do it? Yeah. Some people, some studios will be like, no, nah, we don't like the way that sounds, so we're just not going to do it. You know. And then God, could you imagine if if like nobody ever picked up Mike Flanagan? Yeah. True. So like I praise Netflix for that, but I'm also grateful that he's finally getting out from under their contract. So now he can go do his own stuff that he really wants to do. And um, I, I'm glad you brought him up, too, because uh, he is probably one of the only directors that I can think of, at least that has mainstream success, that touches on galactic horror, if I'm saying that right. The H.P. Lovecraft style of yeah. horror, yep. where it, it's a person who realizes that they're they're lower on the food chain than they thought that that just anxiety of like realizing how small you are right um 
uh but he uses uh like a different approach to it like in lovecraft country it's it's being a minority in america yeah. like years and years ago like yeah, I mean, just he, being oppressed you know racism and stuff like that using that in the same way like lovecraft would have used like you know elder beast monster you know eldritch beasts and stuff like that old exactly. gods yeah so yeah i i do want to see more definitely coming from him um yeah so was that did you have anybody else on your list Dustin? i'm sure you no did. that was my other one that that was it yeah i thought uh, i <laughs> can i throw one out there yeah throw go ahead there. okay so Back in my Coast Guard days, like mid two thousands, uh, there were a couple of movies I saw, and one of them was, uh, like, God, I, there was a John Cusack movie I saw, and I forgot the name of it. It was. You talking well, about the one with Edgar Allan Poe, or are you talking about the one where he's in the, the the hotel, the hotel room, yeah, third room thirteen. no it's not 13 i honestly i don't remember what it's called but anyways wait but one of the ones that i saw who he is becoming a horror icon in his own right at this point though he started with remakes because i saw his version of halloween and that's rob zombie oh yeah good one yeah yeah, so yeah, House seen, of a Thousand I seen, Corpses. I haven't yeah. seen a lot of his remakes or a lot of his movies that he's done, but I did go see Halloween in theaters when he redid that. So, which was actually that's really so, good. That's so interesting really to me time. that that you're like, I can go see Halloween, but a warehouse is what gets me. <laughs> you know what, man? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the Rob. fact that the warehouse is where things were going to happen. And don't I, tell me that wasn't where things were going to happen. I, I things were going to things I, were going to happen there. I know, I know. I'm just busting your balls. By the way, room for room fourteen oh eight. Fourteen oh eight. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, see, I knew I thought, it was room something. Yeah, I, I thought at first I thought you were talking about because uh, he did a movie where it's not it's not a hotel it's a motel but it's uh and it's John Cusack and it's uh, identity and it's about his split personalities. Yes, identity was great. A great movie. Have you never seen that, Dustin? Well, I, I think I thought the movie he was talking about was that movie. was identity. Yeah, because that's what no, I thought he was. Talking those about are two different first. movies. Yeah, room fourteen oh eight so. is the one where he's in like a it's like a hotel room or whatever, and he's it's like he goes into these haunted places and he tries to debunk everything. I and really like, thought it was the other movie. I, no, I, yeah, so I, so he spends the night in this supposed haunted hotel room that nobody is supposed to go in. And he survives the night, but he has like this horrid experience. Yeah. But the biggest thing is that he records it. And he's like, there's one part where it's like his daughter had died and he was listening back to the tape and he thought everything was just a figment of his imagination. And he's sitting there just thinking about what to write for this experience. And he hears his daughter's voice on a recording. So it was it was messed up so yeah but no that i thought rob zombie has done a really good job with what he has done and even though i've only really seen like the one movie uh (laughs) just because like i said this is not my style i'm not a huge fan of these films but regardless his version of halloween was very very good 
Well, if we're gonna talk about if we're gonna talk about a remake of Halloween, we have to bring up the man who made the original, right? And this is one of John Carpenter, Mr. John Carpenter himself, recognized as one of the masters of the horror genre. Yes, yeah. Um, He's done multiple. He's done Halloween series. Does not do anything without him. Uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen is that horror? Well, not no. every movie that he did has to be horror, though. Well, it has horror elements. has has the elements, you're right. But yeah, uh, the fog was a big one. Um, obviously, we know Dustin's love child. Uh, that he has the thing. Uh, so he's done he's done quite a few that were really really good. Um, great great classics. Um, but he has done a lot more than just that. Is the thing he's done. I feel like you could say he's a horror legend but like he also kind of went out and did other things that just a lot of people that usually do horror movies don't like most of them stick yeah. to one type of thing almost he he creates one of the staples in horror with halloween and then he goes off and does something like big trouble little china exactly. and just has fun yeah you know and, and he, the man just wants to play video games that's all he wants sonic man he loves his sonic, sonic. yeah right i so I, my favorite thing about John Carpenter, man, is the way that he will weave uh, this unspoken thing about the supernatural into his films without actually ever stating it. It leaves you with this this feeling of like, was it more or am I just exaggerating it? Like, is is Michael the embodiment of evil and is he unkillable or is is he just like getting lucky? You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. Like, did, did this just all just happen to work out for him? Or he yeah. is the pure embodiment of evil. Yeah. He's unkillable. Well, obviously, like, the longer the series goes on and stuff, like, that gets kind of debunked. But, like, right. Yeah. When he creates something for the first time, it usually has that element to it. Even with something like Assault on Precinct 13, it's like just these waves and waves of people just assaulting the place. And it almost has this kind of like demonic presence to it yeah absolutely not to mention um i like john carpenter for another reason too more recently in his work and stuff he's worked on he's a he's a guy that loves his kid so his son cody carpenter has scored a lot of or done music design or whatever for some of his stuff i like seeing stuff like that uh so yeah he did soundtracks to uh, the 2018 Halloween, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends, uh, Lost Themes, um, one, two, and three, Firestarter. So even he's like he's got his son involved with his work now, which is pretty cool. He popularized that. Like Robert Rodriguez took that up from him, but uh, Carpenter when he would make a film, he just had a synthesizer yep. on a desk and he would just sit there and just play shit. Yep. The Halloween theme is iconic at this point. Something. I know we love the word iconic, but it's fucking iconic. It is. You it hear is. it. You, you it, there. There's few things that you hear and you're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, you know. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's great, man. Yep. Dude, right. uh, I, I, I do have one more. Damn, Rob, you come like, out of nowhere. I, okay, who you got? Okay, so I'm not really sure if this is technically... It, this is more like zombie than horror, I guess. That's still a part of the genre. Okay, great. 
But he also created the one movie I will never watch ever in the history of ever again. And that is Paul Anderson. He, you thought you were talking about like he is. I, I thought you were bringing up George Romero. Who are you talking yeah. about? Paul Anderson. He is the writer and director of the Resident Evil movies. Oh. He is the oh. writer and director for Monster Hunter. But also, and most importantly, well, he is also the writer and director for Mortal Kombat, which has nothing really to do with this. But the one movie I will never ever watch again. He was a writer and director for Event Horizon. Oh, Event Horizon is not scary <laughs> to me <laughs> and my thirteen-year-old brain. From when uh-huh. I've watched that movie, I will never watch that movie ever again. It is a fantastic yeah. con- like concept, though. Going yes. through a wormhole and finding a dimension that's more or less hell, yeah. and just bringing it back with you. Yeah, sure. So I'm just I I will never watch that movie ever again. But as a fan of Resident Evil, I really did enjoy those movies. See, I'm a huge fan of Resident Evil and the games and the books. Yeah, I fucking hated the movies. You hated the movies, really? The movies are it's so, so bad. Yeah. It's, it's so no, it's not it's just it's stupid fun, <laughs> dude. You have to have some consistency, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why? Also, That's to be silly. to be fair, to be fair. Were you yeah. referring to the zombies as Resident Evil? Because yes. you do know they're not zombies, right? No, because I never more the or less zombies. They're not right? zombies. Well, it's a virus, it's, but like they're, they're they're infected with the T virus. At least okay. in the in the beginnings, they're there's a, there's a broad <laughs> spectrum to zombies. Like I, I I get it, you know. So I, I don't. They're infected, but I enjoyed the the Resident Evil movies for what they were. Okay, I mean, I can, they're I not great watch, cinema, but <laughs> I could maybe, maybe watch the first one. The like, first one was really good. It was okay. Honestly, the best scene is when they're in the fucking room and uh, the lasers coming through, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, that scene is like you watch that, and you're like, that is just fucked up." Yeah. Like they, they really, is. but but realistically, like, like I don't know something about because that was um what was it uh, Mila Jovovich, right? Yep. Yeah. Starting this. Dude, I don't know. It was like her and because uh, well, her her and her husband are the ones that did like a lot of the producing for that. Is he Paul? Is that is her husband Paul Anderson? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He like writes and directs and produces it, and she and acts she, in it, she, right? She, yeah. Yeah. Because um, she's like the main person throughout the entire series. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was okay. Is what I would I'm say. just saying. My, it's, it's... my issues is I played all of the games. As a kid, that's your problem. You play the games. <laughs> well, the issue is if you play the games and you read the books and then they make a movie and you're like, this isn't how any of this happened. Where's why isn't Wesker in the first one? What's going on? <laughs> you know, you're like, what is happening? Yeah, so, yeah. It's just it's just one of those things where I just wish they would have. It's OK if you want to do your own thing and make additions to this to a, a story at least have the general like beginning of the story and 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 pull pull a lot of elements from that story and in those movies i felt like all they did was they were like we have star we have the stars program we have the t virus we have the house and there's a company called the umbrella corporation and outside of that all bets off 
And then the only other thing that they really did very accurately was uh, the one guy gets bit. He gets put into the the uh, the tyrant program, and then he becomes um, Nemesis. And Nemesis looked pretty decent in the movie. That's about as far accurate as they get. But let me get off of that. I, I just <laughs> for what it is, still a great series. It's a good series for what it is. Can I can I bring up an honorable mention since we're on like what Go constitutes a zombie and everything? <laughs> Twenty eight days later, man, and weeks, and we, oh yeah, weeks as well. I, <laughs> I keep on hoping months comes out right at some point. But yeah. um, yeah, that was an infection. That was an infection. Yeah, and that was a fantastic zombie movie, man. Is that not you, a zombie movie? It is a zombie movie. Are you are you a fan of World War Z as well? it's it's good it's all right yeah it's pretty good okay um here is someone i'm gonna bring up all right can i ask real quick are we like well into the like classics now we can start talking about that yeah i'm gonna bring up one more guy okay before i get to my finale guy my guy okay okay i I love and it's and this guy i think you have to bring up because he's the start of it all right Who would you guess if I said this is the guy who started horror? Started horror? Oh, to a degree. Boom. Hitchcock. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Yeah. You you I don't I don't want to go to yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Not scary at all. But if you like think about it when they were, you know, in the early days of cinema, probably yeah. was terrifying because they're like, that's like this is actually real. This can happen. Birds can yeah. just start fucking with you, start shitting on you and stuff. This is definitely like one of those situations where the envelope has been pushed so much. It's like you kind of forget that that's even considered horror, but it really is. It it used to be at one point. Hitchcock is kind of the guy that uh, a lot of these people take from. Not necessarily his story or plots or anything like that, but his general idea of like real element that could happen. Because I think in almost nearly every good or traditional horror you have to have some type of real event that can happen to people otherwise if it's like sharknado or something like that something that's not meant to be like a true horror movie that none of that shit's real you're not going to ever have sharks in a tornado eating people you're not going to have rubber happen where this wheel just constantly continues to go and murder people now can a can a wheel come off of a car and hit somebody oh and kill him yeah and kill him absolutely but yeah. it's not going to continuously do that after it hits that person. It's not going to see like it's out. Christine or some shit. Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, but realism to some degree. Like the reason why I like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I know there's no guy that's going to come and kill me in my sleep, right? But we have nightmares. Nightmares are a legit thing that can cause like you to get anxiety. You can be sleeping one moment. And the next thing you know, you're out of breath, waking up and you're terrified. And then the whole room being dark around you is freaking you out now. And you're like, holy shit, I just got to turn some comedy on real quick. Or I got to turn like something I'm comfortable with on real quick just to dial it back down. So that is why I wanted to bring up Hitchcock before I bring up my final guy, because he's very much a realism. Granted, he didn't have a whole lot of stuff to work with back in the day. Um, you know, like what people have now. But his stuff was more of a point of there's a lot of scary things around us always. Okay. And I think he deserves a mention on that. Nice. Absolutely. Well, 
I got I got two, and I'm assuming that one of mine is probably your last one. Probably right? it's it's the main one. You know who it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I got one more then. All okay. right. Let's, let's Sam fucking Raimi. Raimi, I knew you were gonna bring him up. <laughs> Dude, I love Evil Dead so much. It's it's like my comfort film. Now we talk about kind of styles, right? He is so distinct. He, he is if you see a movie and you see a very quick in pan shot with musical notes that pop up. It's Sam uh-huh. Raimi. He's the only one does, that does it the way he does it. You know how you can put on a like a Quentin Tostino's movie and you know it's him <laughs> even if you've never seen it before. Or, or even Robert Rodriguez. Very similar. Yeah, the two of them, man. Yep. Sam Raimi is that third guy. If there was a holy trinity of like people that had such a distinct style, it's that. You can get to yeah. it right there. Sam Raimi does, does great. He really does. He does, wow. man. And and I love how it trans. Okay, the first one, I love it. It's it's him and his best friend basically just out in the woods, strapping a a camera to the top of a two by four and just running through the woods. Yeah. And just doing some shit. Yeah, uh, they they have people doing practical effects and getting injured on the set and stuff. And it's just this raw horror movie that's just ridiculous. And then they just turn it into full comedy. At some point, yeah. with uh, yeah, with Army of Darkness, yes, they do. By I the mean, way, there, it was there's there's also spinoffs with like uh, Bruce Campbell, right? Yeah, yeah, he did like um, uh, Ash versus uh, the, the Undead, Dead. Evil Dead. That's what Ash versus Evil Dead show, and that was like really campy and kind of goofy and stuff like that. So there's a lot of other stuff that branched off it from it too. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, realistically, he did a whole lot of something with nothing. Yeah, and he's I done think, more than just Evil Dead, man. He did like Drag Me to Hell and stuff. Like yes, he, he's done. He yeah. he's done a lot of fantastic series. He's also he's been involved and he did Spider Man, the original one through three with Tobey Maguire. He yeah. was able to do uh, the most recent Doctor Strange. Which yeah, you if you watch it, and the fight scene against Doctor Strange and uh, which one would you call it, Sinister Strange? I guess or whatever. Sure. Um. Yeah. That he has the scene where he used the musical notes and he has the like the horror tones to it and the, and all of that. And then you have, you know, you have Wanda or Scarlet Witch or whoever, which one you want to call her. You have her running in and doing all those scenes like he pulled. Essentially, he was like, man, I just want to put a scene like I would put in the evil dead in this movie. And and, you know, was able to actually like have some of his creative, like creative, creative input to that to a degree. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he just so. uh, he has just like an oddly horrifying and um, fun style. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't like, know how it, to put it any other it's way. Like he can he can scare you, but also make you laugh in like the same four minutes. Yeah. Like, Rob, I know you will not actually watch this. But there's just this fantastic scene where the entire room like there's uh, like a deer head up on the wall and everything. Yeah. And blood just starts coming out of shit, and the the deer head starts laughing at him, and his hand is being possessed by the, uh, you know, like the demon yeah. that came out of the fucking park, and it's trying to kill him, and he's just like fighting with it, and he's just like, "You're coming off, like the chopping off," and somehow it's this just fever dream of just horrific demonic possession and everything, and somehow it's hilarious. Yeah, and I'm he's so glad Christmas is coming. <laughs> <laughs> he's produced a lot of uh, movies too that are 
horror related. So he did The Grudge, two thousand four. Wow. He okay. Grudge, he did Boogeyman. He did The Grudge two. Um. He did the twenty thirteen. Obviously, Evil Dead. He did Poltergeist twenty fifteen. He did Don't Breathe twenty sixteen. He did the twenty twenty The Grudge. He did Don't Breathe two. Um, and he's got a couple more movies coming out. One called Don't Move, which I'm assuming is going to be the same thing. But he's done a lot more. He's also done The Possession. So he's he's actually got quite a few on that horror side where he's a producer of it, not just a writer director of some things. You know? Are you on his IMDb page? I have everybody that <laughs> I wanted to talk about up, and I had extras. So when Smart. he said Sam Raimi, I just clicked on over because I already had yeah. him pulled. Because I was Smart. like, I was like, I was like, if anybody's going to bring it up, I was going to mention him. It's going to be Dustin. So I was just yeah. waiting for it. I, I just, I love Evil Dead, man. It's it's my jam. It's, it's good. By the way, did you watch the more recent one? I still have not watched it yet. Quality no. watch. It was a quality watch. Every time I've gone to watch it, something comes up and I have to stop it. And I want to watch it in one go. It was, I enjoyed it. Is what yeah. I would say. Me, Jess was like, this is a little bit too gory for me, but I was like, pretty fucking good. I, I kind of like that it's going back to being a horror genre thing because it it's it's awesome when it's comedy, but that I don't uh, think there was much comedy in this one. There was there okay. was it was uh definitely not comedic at all. Yeah, was, and that's was, how the it was straight, the it was straight was. rip all rip. Yeah, yep. So now I want to get into the guy that I think is the mastermind behind horror, quintessential Dude. guy. Yeah, he's. he's I even know who he is. He (laughs) even knows who he is. Uh, No, I think you're crazy if you don't bring this guy up. And there's a lot of. I I just want to say this. There's a lot of people that do horror and do horror well that there's no way I I could bring up all of them and do this in a timely manner. So we did have to knock a lot of people out and bring honorable mentions and kind of talk about a few different people through, even though we're not going over everybody. But this guy is the guy for me and probably for a lot of people. Yeah. Wes Craven is a master. Oh yeah, he is a master at what he did. Um, I mean, his he doesn't have a style per se. He's not someone like a Sam Raimi, who you put it on, you know exactly that this is Wes Craven. No, but that being said, Wes Craven. Is, I mean, it's like it's like the man jumped to a new movie and made a series, and then made a, a series that became like larger than life. He has done so much for the horror genre. He did The Last House on the Left. Oh, does that sound familiar? It's probably because they remade it. Mm-hmm. He did the original. The Hills Have Eyes. Ah, it's got a remake. Sounds, fami- sounds familiar. <laughs> Seems like someone remade it. Uh, he did Nightmare on Elm Street, which by also got a remake. Yeah. He and oddly enough, movie. Swamp Thing. He did do Swamp Thing. Um, yeah. He's the reason we have the scream series which granted is not like a you know it's it's more of a a commentary on slasher thriller horrors but not scary but still a good story to some degree and has a lot of plot to it um another movie that he did that nobody i don't think realizes that he did but i enjoyed it as a kid was red eye not not my favorite not your favorite i did watch it it's fine But as a kid, when I saw it, I mind this is like what two thousand five, so I was twelve. It was just something that was a little bit different than yeah. what I was used to, you know. Um, you got to remember, this is around the same time that like Snakes on a Plane came out, so there was a lot of weird movies coming out around this time too. 
Yeah. Is it safe <laughs> to pee? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he did a lot of really good stuff. Uh, Wes Craven, um, he's to phenomenal. me, phenomenal. He he's is. iconic. Oh, that word. We we <laughs> overused it so much, but like if it, it, I guess if you use it in the right context, this is the guy that's iconic. That's but he reminds fair, me. I, I, of... I would say the same about John Carpenter. Iconic. Yeah, but he's very much like the Beatles of horror. He he there's so many hits that you don't even realize are him and he changes his style so much across right. his career absolutely like he had his hard day's night kind of stuff going on with the last house on the left and then by the end of it he's like satiring his own genre that he yeah, basically he, he made started. fun of his own genre for fun yeah literally he set the rules and then he, he's like yep yeah Yep, Scream Two. He's talking about you know they they have the dialogue in there where it's it's very much oh sequels never do better than the originals, you know, and it's like this is literally like I don't even know that he realized that it was going to happen, but the sequel did better than his original. Yeah, he. How do you do that? Carefully. You know? Carefully. <laughs> I I think uh, it's very interesting. I don't know how much uh, you did like actually looking into him as a person at all but i've noticed a lot of directors and writers are kind of steeped in the genre themselves like especially with like a guillermo del toro and other people he was one i had that i just had to nix because he he's there but he's not like he doesn't have a huge catalog it's spooky it's not exactly but guillermo del toro is someone i did want to talk about but i did not have the time for it definitely an honorable mention honorable mention absolutely yeah, but a lot of these people, they're very much steeped in other in the genre of horror itself. It's like they grew up in horror and they said, I want to do this, too. So they're doing stuff very much related to the things that they liked and maybe doing new stuff with it and innovating in their own right. But Wes Craven didn't watch movies he, he was he grew up in a very religious household and he wasn't allowed to like go see films and stuff and he basically just sat in a library by the way he says library and in, uh interviews that i've seen with him and that bugs the shit out of me but <laughs> he sat in libraries and would just read books and just make stories up in his mind and this is how we got stuff like nightmare on elm street these are just dreams that he had and said holy shit that was scary yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he does. See, I I did read up a bit about him, and I do think that the whole, like, religious family thing, because he does, to some degree, in, in a lot of his movie, he has a family structure mm-hmm. that he goes into. And he does kind of like a uh, breakdown. He goes through a breakdown of, like, the family structure in some movies to, to a certain degree. Um, mainly on those you're looking at like uh, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, The Nightmare on Elm Street series, and then you have your screen films. Yeah, that would be like the main stuff that he does with that. Um, but that's, I mean, I think personally, I think he had issues that maybe he's never said. Where maybe there could have been some abusive stuff he grew up with or something to some degree. Um, but why do those without having the background? You know what I mean? 
like because yeah. some of the stuff some of the stuff is like abusive well yeah and um we definitely at least know from stuff that he's talked about personally that his family was very controlling they tried to fix their their marital issues because his parents had a lot of issues right and they try to fix that with religion and then he ends up dying in his late teens at work like his his father yeah you know and he's he's struggling with that um he he definitely went through a lot uh yeah there's a lot of childhood trauma going on there as far as i can tell and it's awful you know you know he most likely suffered through some stuff but it it definitely lends to an artist's creativity in a in a sense it does unfortunately yeah definitely unfortunately yeah but um yeah he is probably I mean, there's, there's like, I, I have like a top five of guys, but, and, and, and at any given moment in my life, they could be probably interswapped of who is where numbers two through four, uh, two through five. They could, it could be this guy one day. It could be Guillermo del Toro this day. It could be Sam Raimi's in there. Um, John Carpenter is probably number five or four most all times, but there's no one that replaces one for me. And that's just what's great. I think I mm. I like all of his work. There's not a lot of stuff that I don't like from him. And he just, he did such a fantastic job in an era where horror was, in my eyes, probably at its lowest and dying. He rejuvenated it to some degree. Yeah. 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 And pointed out all its flaws with Scream. Yes, he did. <laughs> Later on. <laughs> yeah. So if um, you like this episode, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. Um, But but, yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of where, you know, it should be. He's he is is the legend for me in in this genre. Um, Did a fantastic job. Rob, you saw all the screen. I did. You did. Honestly, they're solid movies. I probably would watch them again. I I didn't in Halloween because, you know, I didn't want to. Um, But Wes Craven is incredible. He's a master of his craft. He's such he, an amazing director and narrator. So, I mean, hats off to him. Yep. Which actually kind of leads into uh, my ending point for this episode. And that is, um, we are not going to do a Marvels episode next week. Like, I can tell just how burnt out we all are on the superhero genre. Yeah. And over the last several weeks doing these episodes where we've had discussions upon directors, we actually stumbled into a new type of episode for the show. And that is taking a director and talking about their works. So with that in mind, hold on one second. Welcome to my wheel. What the next week we are going. (laughs) to do our first actual director's dissection. Oh man, you see George Lucas in there, man? There's, I do. We have a lot on here. Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, Martin Scorsese, Tostinos himself, Edgar Wright, Christopher Nolan, Peter Jackson, J.J. Abrams, the Coen brothers, the Steven Soderbergh, Alfred oh, Hitchcock, which we talked about, but Spike Lee, Francis Ford brothers. Coppola, David Fincher, Ridley Scott, Robert Zemeckis, Edgar Wright, Ron Howard, we have a whole list of directors. 
And instead of just picking one, we are oh, going man. to let the wheel of destiny decide. Hey, can I bring up who... one thing? Sure. One thing. Ahead. Okay. Should we have George Lucas on there if we're doing a Life Day episode? Yes. Well, if it lands on George spin Lucas, it. we'll just respin it. All right. Spin it. Okay. The wheel of destiny <laughs> will tell us who we are going to be talking about. Are you guys ready? Do it. Yeah. Wheel of destiny. It. I'm so excited and... right now. And John. <laughs> We're burnt out on superheroes. Stop. Let's talk about John Favreau. <laughs> He's got a deep catalog. I was really kind of hoping we could use that for December since he did Elf. <laughs> That's perfect. You know what? Hold on. No, 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 yeah. I mean, hell yeah he's done a lot of great works uh elf we'll the fucking irony about, let's not talk about iron man um, but, but we'll get more into detail on what he has done next week and we're really excited about that uh but if you guys like this episode uh you can find us on youtube spotify apple podcast google podcast amazon podcast blah 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 uh find us over on tiktok you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash centerway society we're everywhere uh Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for being part of our spooky discussions. Uh, next week, obviously, we're going to talk about John Favreau. Then we have Dustin for his birthday. Uh, we are going to be doing a Life Day episode, which I don't know what the hell that means, but I guess we'll find out in two weeks. You don't <laughs> so, celebrate Life Day? I do not. Uh, anyways, Jordan, thank you guys. I, I don't either. Thank you guys for listening to the show and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to us talk about horror icons. Honestly, this was a lot of fun, even though I don't watch a lot of these fucking movies you guys are talking about. So, all right. Anyways, we'll see you next time. Good night. See you.